0: Welcome to a special Encore presentation of Compassion Radio. We
1: want to reach Ukraine, but we want to think beyond that. And so we've also yeah. been drawing in some authors who have some real rich experience in reaching the poorest of the poor in slums. Also doing things, I mentioned community organizing. This is an idea, especially after my dawn, that my Ukrainian colleagues are like, oh, we need to understand, you know, how as Christians can we influence society, you know, outside the church walls?
0: Always reporting from the action, this is Compassion Radio. Hi friends, Bram Floria here, and today we're into part two of a great discussion with a new friend, John White, a missiologist, a missionary, and an influencer with the church around the world. For more than a decade, he's been doing his work right at the very heart of today's great spiritual battlegrounds, namely, Inside Ukraine. The most important story from this particular front line is way more than just bombs and bullets, empires and conquest. It's about the spiritual future of Europe and Asia. And the church in Ukraine stands tall in the effort to bring the real gospel to the whole world, starting with their Jerusalem, Judea, and from there to the uttermost parts of Europe, Asia, and even Africa. John White has a lot more to share, and we'll start with a short recap of yesterday's program. Thanks for joining us today.
1: I focused on books in the area of urban missions because that's the program that I was asked to create. Um, I should say that I know my colleagues have been working on a lot of other things. I know in the area of psychology, especially in this like trauma issues that we've been talking about. And I know in a number of other theological areas as well. But in terms of my area, we were trying to think how do we combine we want to have a good program so obviously we need you need textbooks right if you're going to teach something you need textbooks but we also would like to influence larger society we'd like to have books that churches and church leaders can take and use because we understand that the the issue of reaching the people who have largely moved into cities. I mean, Ukraine's almost 70% urban at this point. Mm -hmm. You see that also in the way the war has been taking place too. It's been focused on cities that we need to get these ideas into more hands, right? Beyond just what we're going to do. We want to influence society in a larger way. So We've tried to, as you've said, try to pick out some of the best of the best. We've tried to pick uh, in terms of biblical studies, theology, how does God look at cities? How, have we, how do how can we learn from the models of urban ministry in the Bible? There used to be a lot through the book of Acts. Yes, of course. We also want to talk about how do you research a city? You know, we, we were able to invite mm-hmm. in one author. John Feuter started Moody Bible Institute's uh, program in urban ministry, and he came and helped us translate uh, his book called Neighborhood Mapping. Um, that's been very popular. We're also trying to understand the different cultures of this city in terms of reaching immigrants, reaching the poor, reaching influencers. All these different types of people may need different kinds of ministry. We really want to also challenge our students to think, we want to reach Ukraine, but we want to think beyond that. And so we've also been drawing in some authors who have some real rich experience in reaching the poorest of the poor in slums. Also doing things, I mentioned, community organizing. This is an idea, especially after my dawn that my ukrainian colleagues are like oh we need to understand you know how as christians can we influence society you know outside the church walls right
0: how is community Um, built period and how is our community our our mm-hmm. kingdom community mm-hmm. thrive mm-hmm. in the midst of it.
1: Trying to understand better issues of power. So much yeah. of the time Christians feel powerless and the, you know, the government decides things and we don't know even how to reach, you know, into those areas, you know, and, yeah. I got to say as a mm-hmm. dissent
0: on that point that mm-hmm. I got to challenge the presupposition kind of like mm-hmm. we talked about Russia before assuming mm-hmm. that they need a strong man because they feel a certain mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I feel like especially the evangelical church in America feels underpowered Mm -hmm, or powerless, mm -hmm. even when they have massive influence Mm -hmm. and are massively influenced by very specific motivators Mm -hmm. and thinkers and institutions. Mm -hmm. We have, as evangelicals primarily listen to these programs on the stations where we broadcast, we have more power in our Mm -hmm. hands than we've ever had in the history of the republic, and yet Mm -hmm. we don't feel like it.
1: Yep. Yeah, I very much agree. And actually, yeah, the book that my English colleagues encourage us to translate is called Building a People of Power <laughs> by Robert mm-hmm. Linthicum, <laughs> uh, who worked with World Vision for many years. Yeah, it's been very interesting for me because I've been learning from my Ukrainian colleagues, even have we've been trying to learn from other people around the world who have a whole lot more experience in ministering in these areas.
0: So how has that been then, working on how Ukrainians specifically can perceive the potential for community transformation or community building if they feel like they have no connection with other people i felt the same way working in a church 20 or 30 years ago when Mm -hmm. as another storefront church trying to find a place to plant your flag and build a church you never felt like you had a center for community so we wanted to figure Mm -hmm. out how we actually create a downtown feel the vibe Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. most of the east coast cities understand because they were built centuries ago Mm -hmm. on the west coast we have very little of that and ukraine for me reflects an awful lot of midwestern or west coast Mm -hmm. civil planning Mm-hmm. Large areas, separation of living with industry, mm-hmm. and there's no real place to go to actually just walk the streets and feel like you have a hometown. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of very industrial and brutalist style architecture and building there. We've seen how, what happens when that kind of concrete gets blown up by missiles. You know, it wasn't pretty to start with. It's a whole lot less pretty now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But there's very few things about modern Ukraine that I've seen, even while we were there before the war started, that seems quaint or charming. So there's an emotional attachment to a place when you know something's beautiful. Mm -hmm. How do Christians focus on building beauty where they are, not just in physical structures, but in the way people interact? Mm -hmm. What is the thing that they seem to have discovered first that you think is most valuable in developing community in Ukraine?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly wouldn't uh, encourage you to visit Lviv if you haven't. I would say that would be quaint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
0: fair enough, because I actually landed in Kiev and focused on that part of the country. I did not get to go to Lviv.
1: Yeah. Although, to be honest, I love even the very Soviet like vignettes, because I had lived there for yeah. many years. But yeah. I'm really encouraged by the Christians that I've spoken to, and we've oftentimes uh, invited into our classes who focus on the arts. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are a lot of interesting things happening in terms of music. Well, of course, our school works in music. We have some really great folks in that area to begin with. But also in the areas of art and even drama and expression. I guess I do tend to think Ukrainians are really talented in these areas, even if hmm. <laughs> to some extent, as you illustrated um, and observed, I should say, the Soviets in some ways uh, limited what could be seen and what could be shown. Yeah. But Ukrainians just have a great spirit in terms of sharing and, and uh, playing music, uh, doing hmm. drama, I think, in churches. That's a very powerful thing that we can do, and also just in terms of reaching out to society. Art is probably something we need to continue to develop more in, but I think all of those are happening. And community, too, I think we see developing beyond the church walls. Unfortunately, churches that are more traditional have gotten themselves stuck a little too much. Mm, like, yeah. And they don't have that freedom to be creative. We tend to see churches that are successful in cities, they tend to be able to be more creative. They're able to be more flexible. Too often, churches are confined to, say, a building And Mm -hmm. I think, too, you touched on something that's ironic. Uh, Maybe this isn't exactly the direction you want to go, but let me mention it because I think it could be helpful. Orthodoxy tends to focus on a building, but they really want to make that building beautiful. Uh, The Orthodox talk about uh, the beauty of God being one of the most important facets of God. It's something that we should understand God as. And unfortunately, evangelicals in in our part of the world for too long reacted against that. Yes. Many negative things about Orthodoxy. I mean, (laughs) there's plenty to react against, I'm afraid. Art taxi does get some things absolutely right. And I do feel that if evangelicals can find that balance to not feel they have to you know, embrace everything about orthodoxy, but there are some beautiful things yeah. beyond just what the orthodox do. And I think in expressing those things, we can attract a whole lot more people in, in Ukrainian society to God, because I think they naturally tend to think of, yes, God is beautiful. And if we can see that beauty, that's something that's very attractive. And now we're open to understanding the message, the intellectual, the, the ideas that, that are inside that. Too often, orthodoxy is just just kind of what you see and feel and you don't necessarily understand uh, what's behind that.
0: The idea of facade versus mm-hmm. substance. It's interesting you mentioned that because I had one of those experiences that's very much what you're talking about. We're at the top of the hill at St. Michael's getting ready to walk down the long run into the business district of Kiev to learn more about the Maidan history and the revolution there. And I hear this chimes going at the doorway and suddenly the deep Bell rang somewhere inside the building. I said, "I have got to see this." So the one who's walking with us, who had been part of the Maidan uprising and had led much of the spiritual prayer ministry there, followed me to the door. And I said, "I'm going in." He, he kind of stopped. He leaned back, put his hands up, like there was like a wall in front of him. I said, "Come on in with me." We walked in together, and I looked down in the well were all the choristers and they were in the middle of a deeply moving piece of music. It went on and deeper and richer and they were calling up from the well and then I realized they were going to the Kyrie Eleison section of the, the mass they were singing. It got deeper and richer for me and I just I felt like I was touching voices that were singing from a thousand years ago mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that God was present. Mm-hmm. My friend who was standing with me was very, very nervous getting almost like a panic attack. We stepped outside I said, what is it? What, what, what kept you from entering that moment? Mm-hmm. He said, I don't know. I said, were these men from this church not the ones that stood with you in the Maidan to lead the prayers and stand up to those guns? Mm -hmm. He said, yes, they were. Your churches have reconciled on the purpose of social justice in your country. We've Mm -hmm. seen that happen. They literally stepped out of relationship with the other Orthodox churches in order to stand with you. Mm -hmm. He said, yes, they have. I said, so what is it? Mm -hmm. He said, it's me. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to stand with a friend who's going through a catharsis. Mm -hmm. I said, I think you're going to discover that they're really your brothers in arms. Mm -hmm. And when it comes time to face danger, they'll be there with you. But I understand your fear of something that you were raised to detest because it seemed to represent the state and the power against you Mm -hmm. evangelicals that wanted us to be free to talk and to share and to preach and to walk the streets without getting hounded. I get that. But God's doing something here. And I'm not their advocate. I'm yours. I'm your friend. Mm -hmm. But we had a very interesting conversation going down the hill about what that would mean in the future for UETS Mm -hmm. and for other ministries.
1: Yeah, I've been really encouraged in my time at UETS. Uh, Of course, mostly we have students that are Protestant, but it's been an open place because we believe that our mission is to equip uh, and bless the whole church. And so I'll always remember, uh, maybe you've heard this story, I don't know, but uh, we have this Orthodox priest, and he's actually a part of the the Moscow Patriarchate. Orthodox Mm, priest, who wanted to take courses with us in counseling because he said, people come to me with questions I don't know how to answer them. Hmm. Nobody in my church can give me answers, but it looks like you can.
0: Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission friends we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around ukraine i personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely thoroughly and as i saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion i saw a refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of march they were very much alike in one important way They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com.
1: I'll always remember, uh, maybe you've heard the story, I don't know, but uh, we have this Orthodox priest. And he's actually a part of the, the Moscow Patriarchate Orthodox mm, priest yeah. who yeah. wanted to take courses with us in counseling because he said, people come to me with questions, I don't know how to answer them. Mm. Nobody in my church can give me answers, but it looks like wow. you can. And he, from what I heard uh, over his, I think he was in the course for a year certificate, and the other students were so encouraged by him. He was such a humble guy, you know, not pushing anything. I was just just so grateful to be there and learn. And to me, that was just, you know, such an encouragement that we, the body of Christ, even with different histories, even with past conflict, that we can come together, you know, when God gives us these things that, that obviously we have in common, right? We don't need to stand on different doctrinal differences. Or, or other right. things. And so I was so encouraged by that. And I know we've had also some different Greek Catholic students and, and it's just it's very encouraging. Mostly it's Protestant, but...
0: Yeah, think the full range of Protestantism in that country would look very different than what we would expect Protestant to be in America. You have a history in Ukraine and in Russia that is unique, but we all have the roots going back from the same root. Mm-hmm. Americans, of course, especially modern American evangelicals cannot conceive of the fact they are a branch, mm-hmm. not the tree. Mm -hmm. And that to be a branch means you're humble enough to let the root feed you. And if Mm -hmm. Jesus can give us that metaphor, saying, I am the root, you are the branches, anchor yourself in me, that we have a history here. And the world did not just get born the day we were.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, we don't engender a lot of humility in America. We like independence and self-made everything. and you know, it's, it's a fiction to ourselves because we don't exist without the help and the identity and the uh, assistance, the families, the communities that we actually are born to. Nobody is truly independent. We know that if mm-hmm. we just sit down and admit it for a while. But it's still hard when things change so radically. We want the other person to change so they can get along with us. We really don't want to face how much it's going to cost us to allow somebody else to change and to meet them there. Mm -hmm. And to let God change us to be open again. We don't want to be open anymore. I mean, Mm -hmm. I sense that in the church in general. And God is going to open us whether we like it or not, because Mm -hmm. his family is not a closed loop. He expected us to actually go out there and evangel means to bring out the good news, to tell Mm -hmm. the great story, let everyone hear it. It wasn't about forcing everyone into it or excluding everybody out of it. It wasn't Mm -hmm. about defining who is and who is not. Mm -hmm. Evangelism was about living and declaring and showing so that anybody who has the ears and eyes to see it could say, I love that. I -hmm. want to know that, God. That's all it was supposed to be. I really believe we stepped away from a lot of that by making it about identity politics and about social issues and about politics in general and about state power. So, again, big concepts. Mm -hmm. I want to circle back around for you because you have this experience. You're back and forth to UETS. You're kind of in the middle of helping to define what the future is going to be of missiology and what missions will look like, and other people will study what you did in the century. As you're developing it, what is God pinging your heart for? What is He telling you? This is the next step, this is the next thing that's new. This is the new thing I'm doing. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I would have to say that two things really come to mind. One is that we need to understand, and I guess the two are really connected. The first and something that UATS really resonates with, and I know that Yvonne has been trying to make resonate throughout the whole school, not everyone maybe shares exactly his uh, (laughs) love for it, but it's this idea of holistic mission. The mm-hmm. mission, um, of course, is rooted in the Word. Is rooted with yes. the need for salvation, the need for relationship with Christ, the need to be transformed into a new creature in Christ. But people are whole, right? They need yeah. uh, physical help and uh, psychological help and emotional. And I, I really do like that UATS has this broad spectrum of programs. And I, I'm sure we're not perfectly integrated by any means, but I know that Ivan is always trying to draw everyone together. You know that each of us can help one another, whether it's in psychology or music or leadership or mission. And the second part, and I believe this is one of the reasons why I was asked to start a program in this, is is urban mission. People are moving to cities all over the world. Already over half of the world lives in cities, and we're expecting that to go up to about two-thirds by 2050. If we look back in the Bible, to be honest, the Acts of the Apostles were also all about urban missions. This is nothing new to God, and there's a whole lot we can learn from them, which we can apply today. And uh, the irony is, just from my personal seat here, My Ukrainian brothers told me to do this. I helped develop it. And now my mission organization has realized that urban is important. And they've asked me to help develop urban strategies for a whole mission Mm. around the world. So uh, another way that I think Ukraine is blessing the world. (laughs) Um, In addition
0: to starting your ministry
1: example, they are today. There are a lot of things happening in the world. But those two things I think are vital. I see the need both in Ukraine as well as I see more and more around the world.
0: So I'm hearing you say not just to understand the urban environment as it is, but be about the business of transformation of community, Mm -hmm. to find that even in emerging societies or emerging urban contexts. where Like in China, over Mm -hmm. the past 50 years, half of the major cities in the country were invented. (laughs) There may have been a fishing village there or Mm -hmm. a tributary to a river was turned into a major reservoir and industrial center. Mm -hmm. Overnight, practically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And most of the kids that are coming up this generation since back in the Tiananmen Square uprising Mm -hmm. for their Mm -hmm. country, 60 or 70 percent of the nation's population was born after that. And knows nothing Mm -hmm. of those events that you and I remember from our schooling years. Mm -hmm. But they're all growing up in cities that were invented since they've been born. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's a massive challenge to be able to perceive something that's beautiful here and build beauty into the systems and make people feel at home. And defining what even home is, what does it feel like to be home with God in his house? Mm -hmm. What does it feel like to go together with those from your home and go visit people in their homes and bring the blessing with you? Mm -hmm. Where is the house of blessing? Where do you find that? How do you build it? Those seem to be like big heart questions that we'll have to be mulling over and deciding how do we go about this? What is ethical about the way we spend our money, spend our time and places we go in order to see that happen in the generations to come?
1: As we see people moving into these cities, many of which, as you said, did not exist a short time ago, you see people kind of forming almost different cultural groups or social Mm. groups.
0: Like meta-societies.
1: Right, right. So, for example, what's driven uh, missions since the first uh, Lausanne meeting in 1974 has been this idea of unreached people groups. Right. And that's been a great strategic uh, means for us to see the people that maybe would otherwise be hidden, that, that need to hear yeah. the gospel because they, they can't because they don't speak the language. The Bible's not in their language.
0: And primarily that was understanding cultural continuity or a location that happened mm-hmm. to have its own language as defined or evolved in that location. Mm-hmm. The languages themselves are almost dist- dislodged now from geography. Mm -hmm. So people's Mm -hmm. ability to communicate with each other and be cultural with each other seems to be a worldwide phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And there may be small communities of them in certain countries that resonate more with communities like themselves in other countries than they do Mm -hmm. with anybody else around them.
1: Mm -hmm. And so what's happening is you see a lot of these people that maybe before we consider unreached moving Mm -hmm. into cities, uh, often in Europe or America, places like Kyiv, And they're seeking jobs, they're getting education. Um, They may continue with whatever their traditional religion was, but there are opportunities to reach them with the gospel that don't exist
0: back where they came from. The melting pot has returned.
1: All of these new groups of people can now be reached if we're wise and strategic about thinking, how do we reach out to them? Maybe we need that missionary who is working in Africa for many years to come to us in Kiev and start reaching out to those African Hmm. people that have moved to Kiev. Other groups, uh, as I mentioned a little bit before, you have influencers, many of whom are not reached, and they need very different kinds of ministry than you do Mm -hmm. to the slums, right? Uh, There are huge of slums around the world that don't have the gospel and just really are lacking hope in many, many ways. And so I see these different groups in cities. Also, another, actually, you touched on the idea of people being connected all over the world. One of the groups that's probably the most connected are young people. A lot Mm -hmm. of times young people are more connected to, you know, the person they play their internet game with in China and India than they are to the older generation in their own culture.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my my sons are like that. They have friends Mm -hmm. that they feel very close to. That when they're playing, they're, one's in Scotland, one's in Mexico, and mm-hmm, somebody mm-hmm. in South Africa, and they're literally their peer group.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, and so these are all different uh, strategic groups that need to be reached and uh, typically in cities. And so these are things I think we need to think about uh, for the future.
0: Well, where does it go from here for you? you got stuff you got to do. you got bigger ambitions to be helping world missions movements and help establish and rebuild, literally rebuild UBTS. What do you feel like God's going to have you busy doing over the next couple of years?
1: Well, I wish I knew, uh, <laughs> but I can tell some <laughs> possibilities anyway. Uh, it feels more and more like I have less and less of an idea of what's going to happen in the next year. Well, UETS, as you said, is rebuilding. Uh, praise the Lord, that process has begun. Uh, as right now, the Russians have been pushed away, although unfortunately there's still dangers that they might return. Yeah. And so UETS is continuing in that rebuilding. Uh, UETS is also continuing in teaching by Zoom. And that's been something I participated in. I've been able to teach my master's group, a group of them, as well as teaching some of the Ukrainian students. And that was really interesting just in terms of them, some being in Western Ukraine, some being in European cities Mm -hmm. and very different places all over. For me, I'm also involved in uh, my mission, uh, developing uh, urban strategies. And so I see myself continuing to help them in that and if the Lord allows me, I'd love to return to Ukraine and continue in ministry there. Uh, but as long as I'm here in the States, I'll continue to try to support my colleagues uh, from here, uh, colleagues in Ukraine, and I'll be involved in helping World Venture. And I may be doing some traveling for them, too. Um, I just went to a conference for our missionaries in Latin America, and now I may need to talk awesome. to different regions as well.
0: We'll hear more from our special guest, John White, on tomorrow's program. Send your special gift for the church in Ukraine today. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or make your gift through our website,
2: CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.